Chapter 22, Choices Hey, cat, I need you to do me a favor. She looked over at me and raised an eyebrow as I sat down next to her at the island, where she was doing something on her laptop, does it involve shopping? Cause I'll be all over that. I shrugged, actually, it does. Listen, the lawyer is going to come today and I think it's best if Tori stays out of the house for it. With all the shit she's already dealing with, I don't think it'd be good for her. Kat closed her laptop, so, what, you want me to take her shopping all day? I reached into my pocket, took out my wallet, and removed my credit card from one of the slots. I handed it to her, yes. You can go anywhere, do anything. Just keep her occupied. Can you do that? Could we just head to Vegas and go to Chippendales? If that's what you want to do, go for it. I want pictures though, I winked at her. My phone started ringing, and I retrieved it from my pocket, only to groan at the caller ID. I put it on speaker inside, what's up? Jeff seemed just as uninterested in talking to me, I wanted to let you know that I'll be relocating due to work by the 30th. I looked over at the calendar next to the fridge, seeing the end of the month was about two weeks away. I closed my eyes, what does this mean? It means either you take Michael now, or you fly out to Orlando whenever you want to see him. I can't even begin to imagine why I've got this thought in my head that you relocated on purpose, I snarled at him. He seemed disaffected, well, you wouldn't be wrong. I've got no interest in staying in the valley anymore. I pinched the bridge of my nose, so your first choice is just to pack up and run away? Taking your son away from everything he knows? I doubt you'll even come back to visit my mom's grave. You're a piece of shit, Jeff. I'm taking my brother and I don't ever want to see you again. Yeah, well, if we're being honest here, you're no better. You could have taken him long ago. I never wanted the fucking kid after he took my wife from me. I'll bring him over later with the necessary documents. It's up to you to finalize everything. After that, I don't want to see or hear from either one of you ever again. He hung up at that, and it took every bit of restraint I had not to throw the phone against the wall. I set my phone down and put my head in my hands. Why didn't you let him go? I'd almost forgotten Kat was even there until she spoke. I looked over, what? She set her mug down on the counter, Mikey. Why didn't you just let him move to Orlando with Jeff? I shook my head, I don't trust Jeff with him the way it is. I wouldn't even be able to sleep if he was on the other side of the country. I mean, you heard how much he likes Mikey just now. I get that he's a human piece of garbage, but there's got to be something else that worries you so much. I said nothing as I picked up my phone, unlocked it, and looked through the pictures to find one in particular. I handed her the phone and let her see why I didn't trust him. She gasped, but didn't say anything either. If you saw someone doing that to someone you loved, you'd be fixing to rip their head off too, wouldn't you? She nodded, amongst other things, when did this happen? I took my phone back, about a year ago. Mikey was only three. How come he never went to court over this? 
Because I'm a fucking idiot, I mumbled, lying my head down on the counter. Have you ever looked close enough at him to see that little scar above his left eye? Her brows furrowed, I think so. I always thought he had fallen or something. I shook my head, nope. Two years old, Jeff backhanded him while wearing a ring. Can I help you kill him? No, I'd like to have the honors. You can help hide the body though. But really, only Randy knows about this, and I want it to stay that way. Why don't you take him to court over it? It wouldn't be worth it. He's giving me custody anyway, so it'll all be over. I don't want Mikey to have to deal with any more than he has to. I sighed and got up. You really don't know how badly I regret not stepping in sooner. I could have saved him from all this. I could have done what my mom had wanted me to do in the first place. She stood up as well and put her hand on my back, what's done is done, all you can do now is move forward. Regardless of what's been done and what hasn't, I'm sure your mom would still be proud of you for getting this far. At 19, you weren't ready to take care of a kid, especially not in the state of mind you were in. I guess so, I mumbled, looking out of the windows in the back of the kitchen toward my backyard. A thought occurred to me, and I looked back at the calendar. I shook my head when I realized exactly what Jeff was avoiding by leaving so soon. I don't know why I expected anything different. Did you expect anything different? I heard Tori ask as she walked into the kitchen. I glanced over at her. She looked like she'd just woken up, still dressed in a pair of light gray sweatpants and a black tank top. I didn't answer her question. I couldn't. Mikey's going to be living with us from now on. She seemed confused, you got custody? I shrugged, kind of. Do I want to know? No, probably not. Kat thankfully took the attention away from me as she asked Tori, do you want some coffee? Can I put whiskey in it? She got Tori's mug out of the cabinet for her and poured her some coffee, no, because we're going shopping today. Tori sat down at the counter and frowned, I'm offended that you think I can't function while slightly inebriated. Yes, it's an art you've perfected, but this is important. She put her mug down, why are you wanting to go today anyway? Weren't we supposed to meet with Mr. Holson later? I figured you didn't want to be around for that, I mumbled, putting my hands in my pockets. Tori stood up and walked over to me, putting her hands on my shoulders, all of that aside, what's the matter? I should have known she'd be the first person to see through my facade. I shook my head, it's complicated. Is it? She moved closer and wrapped her arms around my neck, or are you just making it more complicated than it needs to be? Jeff is moving to Orlando in less than two weeks. He told me either I can take Mikey now or go down there whenever I want to see him. I felt her fingers playing with my hair, so what are you going to do? I'm going to take him. I have no idea how to raise a kid, but at least I won't abuse him. He abuses Mikey? I nodded, he's hurt him pretty bad, several times. Physically and emotionally. I didn't know why I was telling anyone this. I'd sworn to myself I wouldn't make it common knowledge, however much it infuriated me. 
Listen to me, she said, tilting my chin up enough to look at her, you've been there for me when I know I didn't deserve it. Now it's my turn to be there for you. I'll help you in any way I can. I'm here for you, okay? I don't suppose you'd be willing to go shopping with Kat all day. She shrugged, no, I want to stay here. James will either be very happy or very pissed that I'm here, but either way I think it'd be best. But I will eventually go with Kat so she doesn't suffer some sort of withdrawal. I laughed in spite of my bad mood, she probably would, too. A few hours later, after we'd managed to squeeze in an extra 60-minute workout and everyone had gotten showered, all of the permanent residents of my house were lounging in the living area. We had the highlights of a fight the previous weekend playing, and Kat and Tori were still upstairs. A noise outside stirred Kujo from his nap lying next to me. He got off the couch, stretched, then tapped my leg with his nose. I knew what it meant and got up, pause that, would you? Andre picked up the remote off of the coffee table and paused the video as I walked over to the door. I opened it up as Mr. Holson was just getting to the porch. Hello, Miss West, he gave me a friendly smile and shook my hand, then looked down at Kujo and patted his head, and hello to you too. He'd taken a real liking to Kujo the first time he'd come over, at least after he realized that he wouldn't get hurt by him. I stepped to the side, allowing him to come inside, closing the door after he did. He exchanged greetings with the guys and sat down in a chair. He set his briefcase down on the coffee table, now, last I knew, you were concerned about criminal charges that would befall a friend of yours, correct? I nodded, it seems obvious to us that she'll be looking at a decent amount of time, given all that she's guilty of. Yes, I think it best if we discussed exactly all she's done then. It would give me a feel for what I'll be looking at. I expect every detail that you know of in every crime she's committed, so I'm not blindsided by anything while we're in court. I glanced over at Beck, can you go get them? He got up and walked off. I looked back at the lawyer, Mr. Holson Dash. Just call me James, he smiled. James, there's a massive pile of things she's done, there would be a lot to sort through and take note of, and I just want to make sure you're prepared for all that. He almost seemed amused, I'd be unprepared if I didn't know everything. I'm used to lots of tiny details, and more often than not, those tiny details are what make or break a case. It's important to have everything out on the table. James had a very matter-of-fact way of speaking. From the first time I'd met him, he was honest and knew what he was doing, which was a very good thing for us. A moment later, I heard footsteps coming down the hall. He glanced over my shoulder, and a look of shock came over his features. I couldn't quite tell if he was displeased or satisfied with who he saw, just that she was not who he was expecting. Well. He cleared his throat and looked back at me, I'd say there's two ways this could end. Tori sat down next to me, and Kat next to her. Beck and Andre left the room and went to the kitchen. I just raised an eyebrow. James studied Tori a moment before speaking, I'm sure you remember me, Victoria. I remember you trying to take Stephen down, but to be completely honest, I don't remember a lot other than that. 
He nodded slowly. I assume then that either you've repressed the memories or they were wiped somehow, because that wasn't the only thing we discussed. She seemed confused. I've overdosed a few times since then. I guess it affected my memory. What did you mean when you said there were two ways this could end? I asked him. I worked with Victoria and Stephen, oh, eight months ago, probably. Mr. Carson was being investigated over the death of a young man from another gang, and Victoria was a suspect in another death. I glanced over at Tori, seeing she was desperately trying to hold herself together. Kat seemed to be fighting with herself just to stay quiet, Randy's face showed no emotion. I held Tori's hand, knowing I had to stay strong for her. From the look on your face, I'd guess you remember that. Tori swallowed hard and spoke without looking up from her lap, how could I forget killing my best friend? I squeezed her hand and spoke to James, what are the two ways this could end? I told Victoria the first time we met that either she'd face the consequences of her crimes, or she'd be acquitted, as is with most trials. However, her chances are higher this time around because, for one, the death of Alana Toby falls under the category of involuntary manslaughter, at best. She did die at Victoria's hands, that much is true, however Victoria had no way of knowing. A lot of the crimes that were committed were not of her conscious doing. She was either coerced, blackmailed, or bribed into doing them. So what do we have to do to make sure she isn't found guilty of all of this? He clasped his hands together, I've worked with a number of celebrities, who've committed a wide variety of crimes, and I'll be honest, there's been one constant in what helps them serve the least amount of time possible. Given what's happened in Victoria's life, her state of mind when all of these horrible things happened, even her age, all of it could affect how the jury sees these crimes. If she is found guilty, a massive media uproar could force the case to be reopened. I've seen it happen before. Joey Aldrich, Randy finally said. Convicted of third-degree murder, 30 years in prison. His fans rallying behind him forced a reopening of the case, and his conviction was bumped down to involuntary manslaughter, no time in prison, no fine, and was even compensated for the time he did serve, all because someone had laced his drink with hallucinogens without his consent. James nodded, he's right. Victoria herself isn't a celebrity, but... He looked at me, you are. What, with your championship fight coming up, the waves you've been making in women's MMA, you're all over every media source there is. I'm sure, if you were up to it, a simple publicizing of your relationship would get people on your side. However far you want to take it after that is your choice. James left two hours later, after we discussed Tori's crimes in excruciating detail. Tori seemed absolutely mentally and emotionally drained after being forced to recount everything she would have rather forgotten. Kat and Randy both went to the kitchen, and after sitting silently for a few moments, Tori took my hand and led me toward the stairs. I followed her without a word, allowing her to lead me upstairs and to the guest bedroom she was staying in. She closed the door and looked at me. The look in her eyes broke my heart. I'm scared, Jade. I took her face in my hands, everything's going to be okay. This will all be over soon. You don't understand. She shook her head and grabbed onto my wrists. 
Her voice was calmer the second time around, you don't understand. I'm an addict, Jade. My desires, my need for these drugs, it's not just going to go away. It'll stay with me for a long time. Tears formed at the corners of her eyes and her grip on my wrists tightened, I'm scared that I'll give in. I don't want to go back to being the person I used to be. I can't. You're wrong, I muttered, I do understand. I know what it's like and I won't let you go back to it. I'll do anything I can to help you. She seemed confused, what are you talking about? I shook my head, don't worry about it. I'm okay now and you'll be okay soon. Tori looked as if she wanted to argue further, but just closed her eyes tight so the tears at the corners broke free. She ignored them and leaned forward to kiss me. Back in the kitchen, Andre was getting some food ready to be grilled. He declared it seafood night, so he had some salmon and shrimp marinating, while Beck was preparing some vegetables. Randy and Kat were sitting at the bar supervising while sipping a couple beers. Both were winding down from the emotional roller coaster of hearing about Tori's crimes. You know, I'm thinking after all that Tori may need another one of those pills, Randy said to Andre and Beck. Andre pointed over to one of the cabinets, the bottles in there. Reminds me, Kat spoke up as Randy went over to the cabinet, what have you been giving her? This withdrawal should be kicking her ass, but she's had, what, one breakdown? Randy retrieved the bottle he wanted and tossed it over to Kat. She read the label out loud, her brows furrowed, naproxen? He grinned and sat back down next to her, you may know it better by its over-the-counter name, Aleve. How the fuck is something like that working for her? It's mind over matter. See, with heroin addiction, about 90% of the addiction is psychological. That means that the withdrawal is psychological as well. If you make her think you're giving her some sort of miracle pill, then the withdrawal isn't so bad. It's only as bad as she lets it get. She seemed impressed, that's pretty damn brilliant. How'd you think of that? He shrugged and finished up the final bit of his beer, I didn't. Jade did. How'd she think of it? You'd have to ask her, Randy replied while he grabbed another beer out of the fridge. Just before he sat back down, they heard a loud knock on the front door. The four all seemed equally confused, and Randy checked his watch before muttering, let's hope to whatever higher power there is that this isn't another fucking break-in. He set his beer down on the counter and headed toward the front door, with Cat close behind him, more curious than anything. He looked through the peephole and mumbled, Jesus Christ, though he had a smile on his face. Randy opened the door, and Cat saw a guy standing on the porch. She could immediately tell he was quite attractive and looked like the most stereotypical bad boy. He had on dark washed jeans, black boots, a dark red Henley with a few buttons undone and a black leather jacket. His dark brown hair was in a sort of messy pompadour and nearly everything about him told Kat that girls were falling for him left, right and center. There was also something about his style that reminded her of Jade. The guy walked inside and Randy immediately shook his hand and gave him a hug, Nathan. It's great to see you, mate, have you been? Nathan shrugged and gave him a smile as he closed the door, no complaints, really. 
I was just on my way back from a friend's and decided to stop by. Andre's just getting dinner ready, you can stay if you'd like. I'm sure there's enough to go around. He gave Randy a smirk, even after the little beast gets to it? Where's she at anyway? She went upstairs a while ago, but Dash he stopped when he heard her coming down the stairs, looking back at Nathan with a grin, she's back now. Nathan nudged Randy and took off his jacket, laying it over the back of the couch, then hid behind the couch, out of view of the stairs, and made a shushing gesture at Cat. Randy gave Cat a mischievous smile and whispered, play along. Cat was a bit confused but did as he said. As Jade and Tori approached, Randy looked at Cat and gestured with his eyes toward Tori. She figured he wanted her to get Tori away from Jade for a moment. Hey Tori, come here a second, I want to show you something, Cat called out to her while taking her phone out of her pocket. Tori raised an eyebrow, but walked over to Cat to look at her phone. She meant to pull something up, but before she could even get it unlocked, she saw Nathan had moved around the couch and was behind Jade. Tori saw this just as Cat did, but didn't say anything, figuring there wasn't any real danger, since Randy was trying to not look amused and because she recognized the guy. Nathan lunged at an unsuspecting Jade, grabbing her around the waist and attempting to pick her up. Her lightning-quick reflexes prevented it as she put up a guard against it. She realized who was attacking her and decided to hip-toss him, though managing to have him land on his feet. He still stumbled a bit and steadied himself on the back of the couch. All of this happening in a matter of about three seconds. The two exchanged a look and Nathan smiled widely, come here, you little shit. Jade smiled back at him and hugged him. He jokingly shoved her away when she reached up to mess up his hair, hey now, not the hair. Oh, shut up. You were the one who tried to attack me. She shot back. I was giving you a hug. He tried to defend himself. She rolled her eyes, that's a bad idea especially with all this shit lately. You're lucky I didn't break your arm. Nathan ignored the comment and pushed up his sleeves and crossed his arms, yeah, what's all that noise been about? It's a long story, man. It's been pretty rough. He nodded and glanced over at Tori, reaching out to tap her arm with his fist, haven't seen you in a while. Are you causing trouble? Tori shrugged, inadvertently, yeah. She's not the problem, Jade told him, while moving to stand next to Tori. She put her arm over her shoulders, it's just been who she affiliated herself with. Jeff's also been a bigger bitch than usual. What's he up to now? He called this morning and told me he's moving to Pensionville, basically said I'm taking custody of Mikey unless I want to fly down there every time I want to see him. Nathan laughed and nodded, sounds like him. Yeah, well anyway, you want to stay for dinner? I think it'll be ready soon, Jade offered. Well, if you insist. I wouldn't mind some more of Andre's cooking. What's on the menu tonight? Seafood. He, Jade, and Tori headed toward the kitchen, with Kat and Randy close behind. Kat glanced over, so, who is he? Randy chuckled, Nathan is Jade's cousin which is why they look and act so similar. 
he's the only child of Jade's mom's sister. Cat huffed and shook her head, Jade's family has some really good genes. Chapter 23, Worth Dying For I stared at the contact page for a long time. Hugo was already asleep on the couch next to me, pretty exhausted after Nate and I had played fetch with him till he refused to chase the ball anymore. I glanced at the time once more and figured, since it was about nine in New York, that I shouldn't wait any longer if I wanted to catch him before he crashed. I hit the call button and put the phone on speaker. I listened to the ringing for a few seconds, then he picked up. Well, good evening, sweetheart. How are you? He greeted me very happily. I smiled a bit hearing his voice again, hey dad, it's not a bad time, is it? I heard some rustling around as he replied, not at all. I've just been working on some paperwork. What's on your mind? Has it got anything to do with all of that noise the media has been making about you? I couldn't help but laugh, actually, no. Though, about that, I figured you should know that for once, the media isn't making the story any bigger than it actually is. Shit's getting real over here, I'll say that much. Seems that way, doesn't it? To be perfectly honest though, I never thought I'd see Tori again. I figured he'd seen the photos already, and I sighed, me either. I'm absolutely stoked to have her back in my life, don't get me wrong, but it's such a bad time for all of this shit to be hitting the fan. What else is going on? He seemed genuinely concerned, and I just told him the truth. Jeff is skipping town and moving to Orlando. He slapped me with an ultimatum this morning that either I can take custody of Mikey now, or fly down there whenever I want to see him. My dad paused, you did take him, didn't you? I was quick to ease his concern, I told him I would. The way he spoke to me, his wording, he doesn't give a shit about Mikey. I mean, I've told you before what he does to him. He grunted, I recall. He's a real piece of work. I snorted, tell me about it. Problem is, I've got no fucking idea how to raise a kid. I'm terrified. I mean, what if I mess up? I can't raise him and be certain he'll turn out okay. He's turning five soon, yeah, but when he gets older I have no idea what I'm doing, dad. I can't believe mom left me to deal with all this shit. It feels like I got tossed into the ocean and I don't even know which way is up. Why'd she leave me like that? The words tumbled out before I was able to consciously stop any of them. My dad let out a sharp exhale, whoa, slow down there tiger. Take a deep breath and let's back up a bit, okay? Listen to me, what's done is done, getting angry or sad over your mother isn't going to bring her back, you know that. She wanted you to take care of Mikey because you're the only one who can. I stood up and walked over to the windows. I rested my forearm on it and leaned forward to look out toward the lights of the city. Why did she leave me, Dad? She never wanted you to know, he responded quietly after a short pause. I was caught off guard, never wanted me to know what? He sighed heavily, his voice lowering into a more somber tone. Jade, your mother was going to die either way. Whether or not she had Mikey wouldn't have changed anything. I was too confused for words. 
I stood up straight, what are you talking about? Your mother's heart was failing, Jade. She never told you, she never told anyone except me. She didn't want anyone to know, especially not you. I just feel it's only fair that you understand the circumstances. He stopped for a moment, and I didn't speak. I couldn't. They realized it when you were 17, and the waiting list for a transplant was longer than her expected lifespan. That's why she rushed into marriage and pregnancy with Jeff. She never really cared for him other than a friend, but he was hot for her. She knew her days were numbered and decided to hide it the best way she could. She used up the last of her days, making it so you'd never have to be alone. I tried to stay calm and be strong, but his words sliced right through my defenses. I couldn't control the tears that started to fall. Somehow, it hurt even more knowing that I would have lost her anyway. But at the same time, I had no words for the way I felt knowing that the only thing she thought of was me. She loved you more than anything, Jade. You were her world. Mikey was her way of making sure you always had a part of her with you. I know it's scary, and it'll be hard. But you owe it to her to stay strong and raise him like she wanted you to. That was her dying wish. It's up to you to fulfill that wish. I struggled to keep my voice even, what do I do? I'll tell you this, whenever you feel an action deserves a consequence, but you're not sure what to do, think back to your childhood. I'd wager most anything that boy does will be something you've done at one point or another. Use the way your mother and I raised you as a platform, then change it to your liking. It sounds odd, but things will just come to you after a while. I wiped my tears away and sighed in an attempt to regain composure, okay? I could hear the smile in his voice, you'll figure it out, I know you will. But listen, I know you like to tackle things on your own, you've always been like that. Either you face it head-on by yourself, or you don't face it at all. I need you to remember you're not alone in this. If you need help, ask for it. This isn't one of your octagon fights, it's not you versus one enemy. Asking for help is okay, keep that in mind. I nodded, I'll try. And one last thing, about Tori. What about her? I asked, unsure where he was going with that topic. When I was a young man, my father taught me something that I think would do you well. He told me that our past influences our future, something everyone's heard. His advice to me was to take my past experiences and learn from them. That's all you do. You learn from them. If you dwell on them, they'll do nothing but cause you pain. If you learn from them and let them go, your future will be much brighter. I put my free hand in my pocket and turned around to look at my dog, upside down and asleep, as usual. Why are you telling me this? He laughed once, as if amused that I didn't see what he meant. She was in love with you, and you were in love with her. A relationship like that doesn't just deteriorate for silly reasons. Anyone can hold a grudge over something someone's younger, less intelligent self did, it takes a strong person to forgive and move on. He paused for a moment, you're a strong person, Jade. I stayed quiet, unsure of what to say. He spoke again a moment later, I'll be back in LA by the 30th. I look forward to seeing you again, and Tori as well.
I tried not to think about it, I didn't want the thoughts to plague my mind again. I love you, Dad. I love you too. It's gonna be okay. The club scene was strange to be in again. The pulsing music, loud voices, air thick with the smell of alcohol. It was especially strange seeing familiar faces and having no desire to talk to them, or even be near them. I even felt rather safe, with the 10 or 15 professional fighters nearby, some sitting in the booths, some sitting on the tables, others just standing around. They were all at least on their second drink, some even completely wasted by the time it hit two in the morning. Last call was on, and Jade and Beck had gone to the bar to get a final round of shots. They'd been invited out last minute to hang out with some of the people they trained with, and we all felt the distraction would be good. Cat slid into the booth next to me, surprisingly less inebriated than I expected. I nudged her arm, I expected you to indulge a little more. She shrugged, I figured I'd save my liver the trouble until Nate's party. That's tomorrow night, isn't it? I asked as I glanced at my beer and chugged the last of it when I realized there was some left. Yeah, then I think Jeff's bringing Mikey over on Sunday. I sat back, gonna be a busy weekend, I guess. Who are they talking to? Kat suddenly asked. I was confused and followed her line of sight. Jade and Beck were still at the bar and talking to someone we couldn't see due to a large column blocking the view. Both of us, being too curious to resist, stood up and walked over enough that we could see. As soon as we did, we both froze. Stephen was leaning on the bar, his charming smile present, as he chatted casually with them. It was then I realized that they had no idea what Stephen looked like, and they had no idea who they were actually talking to. Cat managed to snap out of it faster than I could and sprinted the ten or so feet to Randy, nearly shouting at him to do something. Randy, in his usual calm and collected manner, said something to her that I didn't hear as he stood up. He also spoke to a few of the other guys, who stood up as well. He then walked over to Jade, whispering something to her. I didn't see what else happened, because the three guys escorted Cat and I out of the bar not really giving us much room to argue. We stood next to Marco's pickup truck, and a minute later, he came out and unlocked it. Listen, Marco started as he sat down in the bed of the truck, Randy needed you guys out of there so Stephen didn't see you. Chances are he's already seen you, but it takes out the chance if he hasn't. He's gonna get Jade and Beck out of there, and we'll just hope it ends there. I nodded slowly and watched the corner that they would have to walk around to get to the parking lot. The guys didn't seem interested, Marco was still sipping a beer, one was smoking a cigarette, and the other two were just talking casually. Kat seemed just as on edge as I was though. It felt like hours, but in reality was only about a minute until all of the other people we were with, as well as Jade. Randy and Beck walked out of the bar. We watched them walk towards us, most breaking off and walking across the parking lot, while the others headed straight for Marco's truck and Jade's car parked next to it. Jade unlocked her car and Beck unlocked his. Cat left my side to go get in the passenger seat of Beck's car. I was about to step back and get in Jade's when I saw a man walk around the corner. My years being conditioned to the streets made me realize two things.
One, he was headed straight for us, and two, he was reaching for a gun tucked in his pants. I knew it was too late to do anything. It didn't matter if I yelled or ran for anyone, there was nothing I could do to prevent the inevitable. The worst part was when I recognized the man about to kill one of us was the very same man who once was my protector. The same man who saved my life more than once. I saw no amount of restraint in Deontay's eyes. I knew he was going to see his job through. He walked quickly, still unnoticed by anyone other than me. However, one thing I noticed was that he had not seen me, or at least acted like he hadn't. I suppose it made sense, as in the dark, I looked just about the same as any of the other five women that were in our group. But because of this, I could tell exactly who he was heading for. Flashback. But she I, what was I supposed to do? Oh my god, she tossed her cigarette to the ground and pushed me against the brick wall behind me, her eyes on fire, it is not your job to play superhero for everyone. You may not have noticed, but you're living with gangs now, okay? People get shot, it fucking happens. You better get it out of your head right now that you can save the fucking world, because you can't. The only person you need to take care of is yourself. Get that through your head and you'll survive. That's what matters. She grunted and backed up, grabbing the bottle of beer she'd set down on the pavement and took a swig of it. One glance back at me, and she handed me the beer, you need it more than I do. I knocked it back and drank everything that was left. I tossed it to the side and listened as it rolled down the alley toward the dumpsters. She reached into her pocket and pulled out her box of smokes and a lighter. She grabbed two, stuck one between her lips and handed the other to me. Come on, we should get out of here. I took it and followed her out of the alley and down the street. She lit hers, then handed the lighter to me. I gave it back once mine was lit as well. I still couldn't find it in myself to speak anymore after what I'd witnessed. She didn't seem to mind. In case you're ever in that situation again, and you feel it necessary to play superhero, she paused and inhaled deeply and blew it out toward the night sky. Run in the opposite direction. Make noise. You have a chance of getting the gun turned on you, but it gives them time to react and possibly get themselves out of danger. It's a damn stupid thing to do, so don't fucking try it unless you wouldn't be able to sleep if they were dead. Just remember, there aren't many people in the world worth dying for. What makes someone worth dying for? I asked quietly. She flicked some ashes off of her cigarette, if you have to ask yourself that question, they're not worth it. End of flashback. I did the only thing I could. I ran as fast as I could until I was almost to the corner of the building. I turned back as Deontay was raising the gun. Deontay. I yelled as loud as I could. His head whipped around, and he pointed the gun at me. The others took notice of him. The two guys who'd been talking behind Marco's truck saw the gun and ran for him, tackling him before he could react. Randy looked down at Deontay, then back at me with a look of fear. I didn't understand why. At least, not until I felt the arms wrap around my midsection and pull me backwards. I had no idea who it was, but I knew he was dragging me toward a car parked on the other side of the street.
I did everything I could to get away from him, but it was no use. He was so much stronger. The car door opened, then slammed shut again, and I fell to the ground. I looked up and saw a blur of black, and then the man's head was slammed into the driver's side window, shattering it on impact. He slumped to the ground, the side of his head a bloody mess. I finally did recognize him as one of the soldiers of Stephen's gang, though I never really knew his name, I did know he was barely over the age of 18. Jade was standing over him and the only thing standing in the way of her most likely beating him to death was Randy. I stood up a bit shakily, my heart still racing and adrenaline still pumping. I could see back in the parking lot that they had Deontay completely disarmed and pretty much at their mercy. I glanced down at the unconscious boy again and exhaled heavily, fuck me. I heard sirens in the distance but I still couldn't breathe right. I didn't really think anyone other than me understood how close we were to someone being killed. Out of the corner of my eye, I saw movement in an alley a little further. Down the road. I looked over and saw Stephen standing with two or three other guys I didn't recognize. Some twisted, demented part of me felt like rubbing the failure in his face a little more. I made myself feel slightly better by seeing it as calming Jade down a bit more. I reached out and grabbed Jade's arm. I pulled her over to me and kissed her, not giving her much room for argument. Some part of me felt kissing her was necessary. Maybe as a sort of extra bit of reassurance that she was okay. Maybe as more comfort for me knowing that their plan had failed and we were still okay. Maybe it was just so Stephen could see he didn't have that hold on me anymore. No matter the reason, it calmed my nerves a bit and I could tell Jade was slightly less ready to beat someone to death. I could almost feel the hatred in his eyes as he watched us, but I couldn't bring myself to care. I wasn't going to let him take charge of my life anymore. I couldn't. It was surreal. The mob of professional mixed martial artists detaining a man who'd killed more than he could count, the kid barely old enough to vote who'd had his head smashed through a car window, the man who'd more or less held me captive for years standing by helplessly. My view of the world had been flipped upside down in less than a month, and suddenly, it wasn't that man that seemed invincible. It was the woman standing in front of me. The one person I felt it'd be worth dying for. Chapter 24, Serenity So, I've got to ask, since you've known Jade for such a long time. Is everyone in her family ridiculously attractive? I laughed and nodded, pretty much. Her mother was gorgeous, as were both of her mother's sisters. They obviously got it from their parents, who were pretty good-looking back in the day. You know Nate, he was an only child and the oldest of the five cousins. The other three cousins were from the youngest sister, two boys and a girl. There. I stopped and compared the ages they were when I knew them to how old they'd be now, 14, 17 and 21 I think. And Nate is probably about 25. Is her dad handsome too? She asked. I shrugged, he's alright, not unattractive, but not near the same as her mom. He wasn't blessed with the same genes. Kat appeared to be thinking, what drew her parents together? I got up off of my bed and grabbed my laptop out of a box, Jade is a lot like her mom. 
She never took her own looks into consideration when thinking of a potential partner, or really in anything. She was incredibly humble and had a heart of gold. I honestly couldn't think of one person who didn't like her. They just divorced because they fell out of love, I guess. I'm not sure of the whole thing, you'd be better off asking her. She and Nate are pretty close? She guessed, probably by the way the two bickered and laughed like siblings. I smiled and sat back down, yeah, it's always been like that. Her mom was really close with her older sister, so Jade and Nathan were around each other a lot. Jade told me he recently bought a really nice house on a lake near the Angeles Forest. What does he do? He's an actor and model. She hesitated, has he had any major roles? I don't recall seeing him before. I told her the same thing Jade told me to help me realize I'd seen him several times, he played the recurring role of Jessica's boyfriend in season two and three of In the City. Her mouth dropped open, that was him? I remember watching season two when it aired and gushing over him with Monica. I laughed, yeah, he grew out his hair a bit more for the movie he's working on right now. One of the big ones that have been all over? I nodded, he's playing the brother of the main character in that new chick flick. That's kind of impressive. She glanced at my laptop, what are you doing? I opened up the photo I'd been digging around in my email for, this is a family photo from 2007, when Jade was 15. I pointed out each person as I told her who they were, this is Jade and her parents. This is Oliva, her mom's oldest sister, the one she was closest with, as well as Nathan and her husband, I think his name is Andrew. Alyssa is the youngest, her husband's name is Jacob, and her kids are Chloe, Amelia, and Jacob Jr., youngest to oldest. These are her grandparents. She studied the photo for quite a while, yeah, that family has some incredible genes. The sisters really are gorgeous. What was her mom's name? Natasha, I replied as I looked through a few other photos. I guess they even have attractive names, she joked. I smiled, as attractive and honestly, as rich as they all were, I've never met such humble people. Jade was never really as private as I was about our relationship, and since her family is so close, pretty much everyone knew about me. Which meant I was invited to pretty much any family event that Jade went to. Holidays, birthdays, anything. They treated me like family. It was really nice being with them, because they never judged anyone that didn't deserve to be judged. There was always a positive aura around them. So wait, they treated you like family even though you were, what, 13? Actually I met them when I was 12, but yeah. I guess it was because I was such good friends with Jade for so long. I spent a lot of time at her house, so her parents knew all about me, and therefore so did the rest of the family. Kat leaned back on the wall, why were you secretive when she wasn't? I shrugged, why do you do anything stupid as a kid? Touché. Long story short, I guess I figured her family was better about it because of how accepting they were of everyone. My family was never like that, so there was a part of me that knew it wouldn't turn out the same way. So they only knew her as my best friend. She nodded understandingly, so I have to ask, what was it like the first time you met her parents? 
Flashback. It was the first time I'd ever been to her house. I was 11 and she was 12. I'd ridden the bus with her, and it had dropped us off in one of the richer neighborhoods in the city. I followed Jade through the gates to the neighborhood and down the street a ways. She walked down the driveway to a fairly large house. There were beautifully maintained gardens around the light post next to the driveway and under the large picture windows to the right of the front door. According to Jade, her mother planted and maintained the gardens almost entirely by herself, with some help from her husband and family when they stopped by. She unlocked the door and we stepped inside. The first thing I saw was the large staircase immediately in front of the door. It went up about halfway, then turned to the left and up the rest of the way. From the main floor, I could see up into the second due to the staircase being a sort of balcony. To the right was a sort of sitting room. A piano sat in front of the floor-to-ceiling windows, which Jade told me her mother liked to play. To the left was an office. The short hallway led to the kitchen, with a large living area to the left, and a dining room that connected to the lounge on the right. We got a snack from the kitchen and went to the living area and watched some TV. It was about an hour and a half before her mother arrived home. She walked in through the door connecting the garage to the house, which was just off to the side of the living area, and hung up her coat. She turned toward us and smiled widely. Tori. I'm so glad I could finally meet you. I've heard so much about you. I smiled shyly back at her and offered a meek, hi. She didn't seem put off by my quiet nature in the slightest and immediately offered, won't you stay for dinner? I'd love to get to know you more. My husband will be home in, oh, a half hour or so, I'm sure he'd enjoy meeting you as well. I nodded, sure, I'll stay. She smiled again, well, I'll go get changed and get dinner ready. As soon as she was out of earshot, Jade muttered, don't say I didn't warn you. It's exactly how you said it would happen. That kind of predictability tells me this occurs often. Jade shrugged, not exactly. That's just the type of person she is. A little over half an hour later, her father arrived home and offered a similar hello albeit a bit more toned down. Over dinner, which was wonderfully prepared, they asked quite a few questions, and eventually I warmed up to them enough that I could give real replies. By the time my dad picked me up, they'd gotten to know me as much as I got to know them. End of flashback. Part of me felt like the most outstanding thing about the first time I met them was coming to terms with the fact that not every rich or good-looking person was rude to everyone else. What about the rest of her family? What was that like? Honestly, it was about the same. They asked less questions, mostly because they already knew a ton about me. I opened up another email with quite a few attached photos, I have some of the pictures from middle school, if you want to see. She jumped at the chance and moved to sit next to me, let's see them. The first one was sixth grade when we were standing outside before the doors opened. We always stood with a certain group of people, and this picture was. When Jade and another one of our friends, Alicia, were talking about an assignment. I remember taking this one because I thought she looked cute. Cat seemed amused. 
I continued through the photos, telling her what was going on and why I took them. It was only after looking through the pictures with a new frame of mind that I could see how our relationship dynamic changed ever so slowly through the years. We looked through hundreds of photos over the time in middle school. I stopped on one of my favorites. This was when we were waiting for our bus in front of the school. Similar to how we waited for the doors to open before school, there were people we hung out with while waiting for the buses, though this group was larger. We'd sit around these concrete benches, even up on the wall, and just talk and fuck around for the 15 to 20 minutes we waited. This one was after we had a conversation about how that day Jade and I would look great on one of those promo posters for a romance movie. So we decided to pose like that. The photo showed that pose, in which we both looked at the camera but faced each other. Her hand was on my waist, and mine was on her shoulder. You two really pull off the look too, she laughed. I just smiled and continued looking through the photos. There were a couple dozen more before they transitioned into our high school time, and a few more until it got to when we started dating. It seemed Kat particularly enjoyed the photos of us being cute. By the time we finished looking through all of the pictures, we realized we needed to get ready for the party. Kat left to go to the room she shared with Beck to get changed and came back afterward. We just continued the conversation while doing our makeup and hair. How'd you two get to dating anyway? You know how you read those stories or watch the movies where friendly touches get longer and they happen more frequently. Or how you start looking at them differently without even realizing it until they catch you. How hugs that used to be strictly platonic start to make your heart skip a beat. How you do whatever you can to be around them as much as possible. When you start to get jealous over the people who are attracted to them, rather than cheer for them. It was like that. It honestly happened so gradually between us that I truly have no idea when it began. She huffed, the kind of things fairy tales are made of. I always wished I had a relationship like that. Trust me, I wouldn't trade back for anything, but it just seems so exciting. I liked it, because we never went through the awkward phase of getting to know each other. I never had to tell my girlfriend my hopes and dreams, my interests or my fears, I never told her about my family and I never told her about my life because she already knew everything. Are you still in love with her? I sighed, more than ever. Unlike a lot of the relationships like that, I had time to experience life without her, I could see how the world was when she wasn't around. Granted the world I did see wasn't that great, I could still tell there wasn't another person that would be better for me. No other person I've met was able to make me feel the way she does. So how come you aren't official yet? I'm head over heels in love with her, and she knows that, but that's not a declaration she's made to me. I imagine there's still things she needs to work through, and that's okay. Either way, she mentioned that this party could serve as a date if I was into that. She nodded in a sort of understanding, sate my curiosity, tell me about the first time you kissed. I laughed, mostly to myself, and couldn't help but mess with her, the first time was a dare, and it was approximately two years before we actually started dating. So you guys are the type to have a first whatever, and then wait a shitload of time for a second? I had to pause to process the fact that she was actually right. 
Oh my god. Mind blown, bitch. She put the cap back on her mascara and walked back into the bedroom. Question remains is when you two decide you want to get freaky in bed again. I frowned and glared at her through the mirror. You're wondering the same thing. You know I'm right. Why do you think I'm glaring at you? Because I'm pretty. I snorted and finished up what I was doing before going back into the bedroom. We walked downstairs to see Jade sitting on the back of the couch using her phone, while only about five feet away, Beck and Andre seemed to almost be fighting. We both glanced at Randy curiously. Beck claimed he was stronger. I don't understand why they're trying to fight here when they can just deadlift in the basement, Jade muttered. Also in the room were Marco, Jake, Andre's girlfriend Layla, who I'd met last night, and another woman I'd never seen before. She had dark blonde hair and had the same sort of build, which made me figure she probably trained with her. I also noticed that Jade had the same sort of outfit I did, being jeans and a t-shirt with the sleeves cut off, however hers was cut a bit more than I was, and she was wearing boots rather than converse. They got a little too close to the wall and bumped a picture on the wall. Without looking up from her phone, Jade declared, If you two break anything in my house I will break you. You're so hot when you take charge like that, the blonde said. Jade laughed, you must have to change your panties every time you watch one of my fights then, huh? Sounds like you've got some competition, Kat teased me. The blonde snorted, don't be silly. I doubt anyone other than her could possibly hold Jade's attention for more than ten minutes. I take it you've never had a quickie, Kat replied quickly. Not when Jade has endurance workouts three days out of every week, honey. So are you doubting Jade's ability to get things done in less than 10 minutes or suggesting that it'd be more rewarding to continue past 10 minutes? Both of you shut up before I have to start drinking before we even get to the party. Jade shouted at them. The blonde just smirked and made a pleased hum. Jade glared over at her, blow me. Present it, she responded without missing a beat. Randy glanced at his watch, oh look at the time, it appears to be beer o'clock. Marco nudged Jade with his shoulder, listen, I'm not very fluent in woman, but I think Mal wants in your pants. I know, and it's going to happen, wait, let me check my calendar, she paused and looked at her phone for a moment, then continued, the twelfth of never. Ouch, Jake muttered. I think we should get going before someone gets hurt, Randy announced. Everyone headed toward the door and started figuring out who was riding with who, while Jade simply put her phone in her pocket, looked at me, nodded toward the door to the garage, and we left before anyone had even realized. She opened the garage door and got in the driver's seat of the Mustang. I sat down in the passenger seat while she put her phone in the holder on the windshield. After I'd gotten settled, she pulled out of the driveway, carefully but quickly maneuvering around the cars already parked. Once she got onto the street she just chuckled, they expected me to wait until they left. I shook my head and restrained myself for all of three seconds before I asked, so who's the blonde? Mallory, one of my trainers, she answered easily. Don't mind the way she acts, it's just how she is. I could have sworn she was actually attracted to you. She chuckled, nah. 
she wouldn't even want it if I made a move. She's got a thing for Randy anyway. She stopped at a red light to turn on the music on her phone. She glanced over at me as the sound of Lord's 400 Lux started playing. I looked back, raising my eyebrows. She leaned over and kissed me. It was slow and deliberate. She was trying to prove a point. You're the only one I want. Jade took my hand and held it over the center console, at least until she had to continue driving again. It was silent other than the music playing and the wind rushing by the open windows. I had always seen a certain serenity in driving at night with the windows open and music playing. I suppose being in the car with Jade only made it better. It was already dark outside, being just after nine o'clock. Ever so slowly, the busy city streets faded into empty country roads. The forests grew thicker, the sky became clearer, and the only lights were the headlights of the truck always behind us. It had been a while since I was able to take a drive at night, and I missed it quite a lot. I knew Jade loved it as much as I did, considering we used to do it as often as we possibly could when we were younger. I could tell she was probably thinking of the same thing, as she had a small smile on her face as she stared at the road ahead. We'd driven on a single road for about ten minutes before she slowed down and turned down a driveway, marked by a glow in the dark strip of paint around a tree trunk. The driveway itself was quite long and had loads of trees on both sides. It started to become a bit brighter, and I could see a house in the distance. A few dozen cars were parked in the grass on either side of the driveway, and we could hear a methodical thumping of loud music. Jade parked next to another car and turned off the music. In case you were wondering, his closest neighbor is about two miles away. Isn't he ever afraid of someone breaking in or something? She just chuckled, I highly doubt it. We got out of the car, and she leaned against the back bumper. I followed her lead, and she wrapped her arm around my waist. Two trucks pulled into the driveway and one parked on the same side as us, and the other on the opposite side. Randy, Andre, Mallory, and Layla got out of the one on our side, and Marco, Jake, Beck, and Kat got out of the other. We all followed Jade's lead around the back of the house on a stone path. The back was where most of the light was coming from, and where it seemed most of the people were. There was a lake behind his house, with a dock going out to the water. A couple people were in the water, and others were in the pool and hot tub closer to the house. I could smell food, which mostly seemed to be coming from someone using the grill. A few others were gathered around a pretty large bonfire. The house seemed to be mostly glass and wood. The back seemed to be more glass than wood, though. Two doors stood open, allowing people to come and go freely. I also noticed a large amount of dogs running around, at least a dozen or so. Cat was first to ask about them, though, what's with all the dogs? Nate usually lets people bring their dogs to the parties if they're well-behaved. He's got a few of his own. I'd guess that's why he's not afraid of someone breaking in, I guessed. She nodded just as a pit bull that looked eerily similar to Kujo ran up to her. She smiled and knelt down to pet the dog, Hey Lulu, I missed you, girl. The dog rubbed against her excitedly before running off again. 
She stood back up and told us, if you were ever curious where I got Kyujo, that's his mom. His dad should be around here somewhere. Why didn't you bring him? I asked. Jade just shrugged but never really answered. What kind of dogs does he have? Kat asked while a few from our group broke off. The rest of us walked up to the patio while Jade told her, he's got two pits, three German shepherds, two Great Danes, and a Goldie that he has all the time. He breeds the pits and the shepherds, so he has puppies every once and a while. Like today. Her eyes widened and she immediately got excited, where are the puppies? Hey. What part of come early did you not understand? I suddenly heard Nate shout. Jade glanced over at her approaching cousin, the early part. He rolled his eyes and gave her a hug, I'm glad you showed up. Did you still want to see the pups? She nodded, and he motioned for us to follow him. We walked through the open doors to a very large lounge room, which could also be seen by a balcony above. He went up the stairs and to a door a little ways down the hall. He stepped aside so we could walk in. Before I even saw anything I could hear barking from several excited puppies. Once I was inside I saw six in total, all German shepherds and all adorable. They're eight weeks old now, so over the next few weeks they'll be getting adopted. Two have already been claimed, though. Over the next few hours, we ate some of the food that was grilled, had a few drinks, and talked to tons of people. I met quite a few people throughout the night, and all in all, it was very relaxing. It was around midnight when I was on my third beer, Jade on her second, and we were sitting on top of one of the picnic tables watching a couple of the guys wrestle. They decided to clear a small area to wrestle, and quite a few other people were watching. They eventually stopped, and I'd missed the majority of the conversation up until I heard someone say, yeah, but one of the most impressive things are handstand push-ups. I recognized the guy as Tyler, one of the guys who'd helped get my stuff from my old apartment. Beck, who was standing nearby, decided to tell them, Jade can do those. A few of them looked over at Jade, let's see it then. She shook her head and laughed, God no. A chorus of come on and do it made her roll her eyes. All right. Fine, I'll do it, she finally gave in. She stood up and handed me her bottle of beer and muttered with a country accent, hold my beer, y'all watch this. Jade got up onto the picnic table and quickly got into a handstand position, and once she steadied herself, she did three push-ups. She then stood back up and held her hands up, now clap for me, you motherfuckers. A lot of them laughed and clapped before going back to what they were doing. She sat back down next to me and sipped her beer as if she hadn't done one of the most impressive things I'd seen since I watched someone blow six smoke rings in a row. She looked over at me and just smirked, I don't give a shit what they think. I did that for you. I rolled my eyes, whatever. Jade laughed and leaned closer to me. We sat around a while longer until I picked up a very familiar scent. Marijuana. I couldn't help but look around to try to figure out where it was coming from. Jade noticed me looking around and asked, you smell it too, don't you? How did you know? I asked. She shrugged, I smelled it on you the first few times we met. 
I felt a little embarrassed at that and bowed my head. She just wrapped her arm around me, don't feel bad about it. Shit happens. Part of me felt like if I didn't get away from it soon, I'd want to find who was smoking it just so I could ask for some. I didn't want to. I looked at Jade, can we go? She finished the last of her beer in one quick drink and stood up, let's go. Do you need to tell anyone? I asked after finishing mine. She shook her head and tossed both of our bottles into the recycle bin sitting out back. She led me back around the side of the house and to her car. Before leaving, she typed out a text, sent it, then set her phone up in the holder, started music, and drove down the driveway to the street. The drive back offered more of the crisp night air, unpolluted by the city, the calm of darkness, and comfort of Jade's presence. She seemed to drive a bit slower to enjoy more of the night. I glanced at the time and saw it was around two in the morning. Just like before, only reversed, the empty country roads faded into busy city streets. She sped up once we got into the city, and after another fifteen or twenty minutes, we got back to her house. It was empty, as expected, and Kujo greeted us at the door. We both stopped to take off our shoes and socks, she got him some fresh water, and then we went upstairs. I stopped at my door, and before I could go in Jade said, why don't you sleep with me tonight? I hesitated and turned around. She just smiled back at me. Chapter 25, Pleasure and Pain She had an odd look on her face, as if she wasn't sure what to make of my offer. I just tilted my head toward my door and walked that way. I'd let her follow if she wanted. The only thing I really heard behind me was Kujo's panting and his tail occasionally hitting the wall. When I got to the door, I turned around and saw she was only a few feet behind me. Stay, I told Kujo. He let out a huff, but sat down anyway. I unlocked my door and held it open for her, after you. After you. I have to be honest. I find it a little silly that you're treating this as if it's the first time I've ever been in your room," Tori teased. She walked into the room and I turned on the lights. I watched as she looked around my room. I closed the door and tried to keep from laughing when I heard Kujo headbutt the door before walking off. I'll be honest, I wouldn't have pinned you for having a room like this. It's so. She looked around and her eyes stopped on me, open. I shrugged and looked around my room, particularly at the floor-to-ceiling windows on opposite ends of the room, which she seemed to be referring to, they give me a good view of sunrises and sunsets. The sunrise is usually what wakes me up in the morning. Sunrises have always annoyed me so much these past few years. Same with sunsets, actually just the sun in general, she stopped next to the bed. She ran her fingers over the bed sheets and stopped at the pillowcase. I walked toward her, you haven't been enjoying it enough. Not when it's caused more pain than it was worth. Things are different now, though, she replied, almost carefully. I stopped in front of her and slid my arms around her waist, you know, as I've gotten older and things have changed, I've learned to appreciate the small things. Sometimes, Hujo jumping onto my bed at night and laying his head on my back is the only thing that manages to make me smile in a day. 
I suppose I've taken the smaller victories as if they were bigger ones. I want to show you how I see the world, how beautiful it actually is. Her hands rested on my arms, and how would you do that? For one, I'm taking you up to a few of my favorite hiking spots. I want to show you some of the coolest places I've ever been in the world. I want you to watch the sunsets with me. Lots of things, actually. I guess the easiest place for me to start is going back to how things were when there was nothing I ever hid from you. Which is why you're in my room right now. I have this sneaking suspicion in my mind that letting me into your private space isn't the only incentive you have to let me in here. I smiled, you've always been smarter than you ever give yourself credit for. Either that or I just know you like the back of my hand. I'm not the same person I used to be. She leaned a bit closer, neither am I. But that doesn't mean I've forgotten the important things. A smirk slowly spread across my face, I'd be curious to see how much you remember. I would be too, she whispered. I have to admit, this is a little scary. I've never done anything like this before. Don't worry, I whispered, I haven't either. I leaned forward and kissed her. She smiled against my lips and kissed me back. I pushed her backward until her back was pressed against the wall. She moved her hands to either side of my neck, while I had one against the wall and the other on her waist. Jade, what do I, I don't know what to do. Do what feels natural. Anything you're comfortable with. Her stuttering betrayed all of the nervousness she was feeling, and I could see it clear as day, is. Is is it okay? Anything's okay. She gripped my arms tightly. In the back of my mind, I questioned if this was the best time. Do you trust me? Yes, she responded without missing a beat. Just tell me to stop if you don't like what I'm doing. I slowly moved my hand to the hem of her shirt and dragged it upward. I let her have plenty of time to decline, but she just moved forward slightly and raised her arms up so I could take it off. I tossed it onto the floor behind me and put my hand back on her waist. Ah, uh, she muttered and shook her head, you too. I couldn't help but smirk, but did as she requested and took off my shirt as well. After I'd tossed it aside, she pushed me back a bit. The only thing she appeared to be doing was studying every single detail of my torso. Like what you see. She smiled a bit, I guess I should have figured your bra would be black and lacy. But I always thought you were attractive when we were younger. It's only gotten better. I have to admire perfection. I take it you look in the mirror pretty often then, I teased as I leaned forward to kiss her neck. Bite me, she mumbled in an attempt to sound irritated. I only took her up on the offer and bit a particularly sensitive part of her neck. She exhaled deeply and ran her fingers through my hair. I kissed back up the side of her neck to her ear. So, she mumbled, you have endurance training three times a week? I smirked, I'm guessing you want a demonstration? Maybe a little, she giggled, though if you have faith in your ability to make it last longer than 20 minutes then maybe I should go first, considering I'll probably just pass out after you're through. That's putting a lot of pressure on me. 
She grinned almost devilishly and pushed me down on the bed. She straddled my waist and just sat there a moment, staring down at me. I raised an eyebrow, but she spoke before I could. So when did you get the belly button piercing? She asked, running her finger over the stud. I shrugged, few years ago. Do you have your nipples pierced too? She teased. Why don't you find out? She easily called my bluff and reached behind me to unhook my bra. I held eye contact with her, at least until she tossed my bra on the floor. She looked down to find out that I didn't actually have them pierced. She frowned, why'd you say it like that if they weren't? It adds a sense of anticipation. That didn't play out. I don't think that's what you should be focusing on, I reminded her. I wrapped my hand around the back of her neck and pulled her down to me. She kissed me slowly and deeply, her hands memorizing every inch of my torso. Her lips moved from my own to my neck and then further down to my chest. I closed my eyes and focused on what she was doing to me. I feel like I should go first, just so I'm not comparing everything I do to what you did, you know? I smiled and tucked a strand of hair behind her ear, whatever makes you most comfortable. I hummed happily when she bit my left nipple, quite roughly. Did I hurt you? No, God no, I laughed, that felt good. She seemed impatient in moving down my body, though she did stop to play with the piercing in my belly button with her tongue, which was something I never even realized felt good. She quickly unbuckled my belt and tossed it to the floor unbuttoning my pants while sucking on a particularly sensitive spot on my stomach. That hickey will be fun to explain during training tomorrow. As my pants and underwear hit the floor, a sense of anticipation flowed through me. After a few seconds, I still felt nothing different. I opened my eyes to see her staring at me from between my legs, a devilish smirk on her face. Do you want a fucking invitation? I snapped, impatient. Beg me. I glared at her, I will eat you. Her smirk only widened, I sure hope so. On second thought, maybe that wasn't the best thing to say. Hindsight is 2020 after all. Only you, I muttered. After she'd taken control, I could sense a newfound feeling of power that she was experiencing. I'd be lying if I said it didn't turn me on. Tell me what you want me to do, she whispered huskily. Tell me what you want me to do. It was like deja vu as she spoke. Make me feel good, I breathed, showing a bit more desperation than I intended. Make me feel the way only you can. I caught her eye, make me come. She licked her lips, good girl. I clenched my teeth, you fucking bio, my sentence was interrupted by a moan I had no control over. I closed my eyes and focused on her lips wrapped around my clit. She sucked hard, her tongue darting forward to massage it. She didn't seem to be interested in wasting any time. In less than 60 seconds, I was already close. When the part of my brain that continued working remembered that I'd been too preoccupied to have any me time for quite a while, it made sense. The fact it was the love of my life only intensified things. I ran my fingers through her hair and held her close to me, though she showed no interest in moving either way. 
Just when I was about to go over the edge, she stopped. I felt her lips move to my inner thighs, kissing and licking the sensitive skin. I groaned loudly, and she just giggled. She fucking giggled. She bit down, softly, but just hard enough to make me really feel it. I moaned in spite of myself at the sensation. I have to admit, she mumbled, having someone as powerful as you at my mercy is really hot. I'm stronger than you, which means if you don't make me come I will torture you for hours, I growled. Oh, promise? She teased. I sighed heavily, you're killing me. She shifted slightly, and I felt her fingers tracing my outer lips. I know, and I love it, she responded, positioned just right so that the breath from her words ghosted across my center. The hold I had on her hair despite the desperation I felt let her know that, contrary to what my words expressed, I enjoyed what she was doing. She'd know anyway. You like it when I tease you like this? I breathed hard, unintentionally moaning out my answer, yes. It crossed my mind that the only person in the world who knew that I didn't want control all the time was her. It added a certain aspect of intimacy to the whole situation, on top of everything else. I intended on keeping it that way. She slid two fingers inside me at the same moment that she went back to sucking on my clit. The sudden burst of pleasure made me let out a quiet moan. Her pleased hum only made things better. She showed no signs of stopping as she quickly brought me to the edge. One more lick and a little extra pressure added by her fingers let loose the building pleasure. I grabbed onto the sheets and tensed as the first few waves washed over me. I exhaled heavily, my grip on the sheets loosening and my muscles relaxing. Did did you? I nodded, completely out of breath, not quite able to form a coherent sentence. But you. I had to admit, her concern was adorable. I've never been very vocal. It's okay, I managed, smiling at her. She laid down next to me, her head resting on her left hand, a satisfied grin firmly on her face. I groaned but smiled in spite of myself. Only you can make me feel that way, I muttered, putting my hands on my face. I'd like to do it kind of often, if that's okay with you. I really like how your muscles tense when you come. I glanced at her and she shrugged, it's sexy. I think it's your turn now. She rolled over off the edge of the bed and stood up, okay, but I need to use the bathroom first. Have fun, I called after her. She popped her head around the corner and winked, I think your bed's where the fun is at, babe. I chuckled, then pretty much snorted when she loudly exclaimed, oh my god is this one of those waterfall showers? A minute or so later, she left the bathroom and settled right back down in my bed. I turned over onto my side and kissed her. I intended on drawing her pleasure out as long as I possibly could, and I knew that in the back of her mind, she was entirely aware of that fact. I easily unhooked her bra and pulled it off, tossing it behind me onto the floor with everything else. Her pants were next. I unbuttoned them and unzipped them before she said, let me. I actually painted these on. I laughed and allowed her to slowly peel off the tight jeans and discard them on the floor. It's like that feeling when you take off your bra after a long day, she teased. 
I guess it's my turn now. Don't sound so excited, I deadpanned. I smiled at her anyway, just relax and enjoy. Tell me if you don't like what I'm doing. I don't like what you're doing. I looked at her confused, I haven't done anything though. She grinned, exactly. I just rolled my eyes. I kissed her. Slow then fast, hard then soft, just enjoying one of my favorite things. I took the time to appreciate every movement she made and every sensation of her lips moving against mine in a way I hadn't properly been able to in the past couple weeks. I wasn't sure exactly how long I spent on that, but eventually I became restless and eager to go further. I moved down to her neck, pushing her down onto her back. I felt her hand on the back of my head as I slowly made my way down her neck. I used my free hand to drag my fingers down her stomach, grabbing onto the edge of her panties and pulling them down. They eventually ended up on the floor as well. She gripped my arm, silently expressing the desperation I knew she felt. I sucked and licked her nipple, knowing she wasn't as much into biting as I was, as I began to tease her with my fingers. Her nails dug into my arm now, but it only made me smirk. I slid my fingers down through her center, letting two linger right on the edge. I moved up a bit so I could watch her. Her eyes were closed and her mouth parted slightly. I leaned down to kiss her just as I slid my fingers inside her, causing her to moan into the kiss. I wanted more and quickly moved down between her legs. Oh, do that again, she whispered. I repeated the action I'd essentially done by accident, gripping her thigh a bit roughly. Yeah, she moaned, I like that. I pushed her leg up a bit, giving myself more room, and also allowing an easier position to grab a hold of her thigh, my thumb pressing against the sensitive skin near her center. In response, I felt her nails dig into my shoulder. I licked around, slowly, spreading around the moisture seeping from her hole. I dragged my tongue from bottom to top in one deep motion, my lips closing around her clit at the top. Oh fuck, she mumbled. I just smirked and reached up with my free hand, threading my fingers through hers. I only focused on three things, the pleasure. I was giving her, the noises she made in response, and the feeling of her hand in my hair. I could hear her breathing getting quicker and more uneven as she got closer and closer. Jade, oh oh, I'm so close, Jade. Yes, just like that, she breathed. I was fairly certain at that point that she wasn't even aware of what she was saying, and that was fine with me. I felt her body tense up, and I knew she was almost there. Oh Jade, she moaned as her entire body tensed. The feeling of her grip on my hair tightening, the sound of her moans, and the spasms rocking her body prompted me to continue. I didn't stop or slow down, but kept at the same pace until the same process repeated itself and she was met with another intense orgasm. Even as her nails dug into my forearm and she all but screamed my name, I didn't stop. I brought her right to the edge one last time before replacing my mouth with my fingers and moving up so I could see her face. She dug her nails deep into my back and I was so wrapped up in making her feel better than she ever had that I didn't even realize how much it actually hurt. I made her come one more time, this one just built up by the intensity of the ones before it. 
her body tensed, and she shook, and after 10 or 15 seconds, she relaxed. I kissed her, and she kissed me back with the energy she had left, which didn't seem to be much. When I pulled back, she laughed and groaned, damn. I smirked and kissed her neck. Her hands ran across my back, softer this time, feeling the damage she'd done. Are you okay? She asked, sounding concerned. I nodded slowly, feeling the exhaustion starting to set in, I'm just tired. She pulled me closer, me too. We cuddled up close together as I fell asleep beginning to take over. I only focused on her body against mine, feeling the comfort it offered. Just before I faded into unconsciousness, I heard two short buzzes from the nightstand. I reached back and flipped the switch on the lamp next to my bed, which turned off the main lights completely. She settled down with her back against my front and held the hand of the arm I had wrapped around her. Part of me felt an even more dreadful sense of deja vu, though I was determined not to let my fears ruin anything. I felt confident she'd be there when I woke up in the morning.